I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Short Tales, a series of short stories written and read by me, Damien Robb. We'll get to this episode's story shortly, but first, I want you to imagine a rocky and arid landscape. Its surface is hard and dry and pocked with craters and empty lake beds and stretches to the horizon where a heat haze shimmers. Red dust covers everything. The same red as the throbbing pain emanating from your leg, which is broken beneath you. You see the dust move with a small flurry of wind, and somewhere behind you you can hear the wind rising, building, growing into a dust storm. You look around for shelter, but already know there's none to be found. Okay. You ready? Good. This episode's story is entitled, Riding to Mars. Her face burnt with exertion and shame. A heat haze shimmered against the red earth ahead of her, as though she were riding headlong towards a portal to another world. Justice eyed that haze, rode toward it, wanting the fictional escape. Her legs pumped against the pedals, each footfall drawing another bead of sweat, each cycle pushing her forward. But the new world never came. The temperature would drop soon, she knew. The weather lately had been alternating between extreme heat and chilling cold, as though the city itself were running a fever. Between each change came the wind, rushing in to sweep the previous elements away. The weather had possessed the temperament of a toddler since the day Mars had been terraformed and gained itself an atmosphere, but it had seemed to be on an increase recently. She didn't know what that meant, if it meant anything, and right now she found it hard to care. She wanted off this red rock anyway. As predicted, the wind came gusting across the barren landscape, throwing her coat out behind her like a cape. It blew first with her, then against, and she growled against the added strain as she forced her bike to keep moving forward. When her parents had first told her they would be moving to Mars, she'd been happy, then sad, then happy again. Bittersweet was the appropriate word, but at 10 years old, she was unfamiliar with it. The bitterness came from the idea of leaving everything she knew behind. Her small town in southern Australia had encompassed almost her entire world. She saw it like an online role-playing game, where most of the terrain stays in black, lighting up and revealing itself only when your avatar braves forward into the dark. Her world, at that time, was mostly unlit but soon she would be on a rocket to another planet, and she knew you'd be hard-pressed to find a way to light up more terrain than that, which was where the sweet half of the bittersweet equation came from. The chance to explore, to see something entirely new, and that it was on Mars that she could achieve her desired career. She was going to be an astronaut. Her first year on Mars hadn't lived up to expectations. 
The infrastructure in place when she'd arrived with her family had been the barest necessary to allow human habitation, meaning all her usual comforts were non-existent. Mars might have been terraformed and now habitable for humans, but it would take decades before anything resembling an ecosystem would start to appear. Each seed of that ecosystem, not to mention all the tools and materials that would allow it to flourish, would have to be shipped over on expensive cargo shuttles from Earth. Even basic comforts such as indoor toilets and showers had yet to make their way to the Red Planet. However, in the time since her arrival, Mars had flourished, and so had she. Space travel advanced, becoming cheaper, and more and more shuttles began arriving every day. Her small outpost grew to become a city, not like the one she'd known back on Earth, perhaps, but something new and eventually familiar. The desert still remained, but the Earth-brought vegetation was beginning to establish itself, spreading outwards from the city slowly but with determination. Justice had studied and trained, every day. She'd run made-up drills out on the Red Flats, pushing herself to become stronger and asking her parents to supply her with books on every topic to be brought over by the incoming fleets. she had discovered that knowledge was also like the terrain in a role-playing game, and so had sought to dispel the dark there as well. Then, at 15, she'd joined the Institute. They pushed her even harder than she'd pushed herself. She'd made the decision to move into the barracks a year early, at 17, a decision her parents had questioned, but one she was confident of. She knew she had to give her all if she had even a chance of making it. Humans might have already begun colonising space, but they still wanted the best of the best leading them there. The next leap, out to Europa, one of Jupiter's moons, was scheduled for just over eight years away, and she had a lot of ladder to climb to ensure she would be on that mission. Except, she wouldn't be. Instead, what would happen is Justice would suffer a panic attack during the final examination, brought on by a lack of sleep and a general over-exhaustion. This would lead to her hyperventilating, then passing out, only to be roused by her personal hero and admiral of the fleet, Serena Shaw, who Justice would then vomit on, a stinky mixture of potato, bile and panic. She'd been taken to a medical room to rest, but as soon as she was sure she was alone, she'd left. She'd found a bike and rode for the distant horizon, a location that, much like her future career as an astronaut, seemed to move further away the harder she pushed herself toward it. She leaned over the front of the bike, forcing her aching legs to pedal faster, then faster still. She shrieked into the whipping wind at the planet, at the situation, at herself, a guttural scream that tore at her throat and left her breathless. Then the bike's front tyre found a rock it couldn't pass over, and the next thing she knew, she was flying through the air. She hit red earth, which was compacted and hard. Lights flashed in her head, and she passed out for the second time that day. She woke hours later, bleeding, bruised and broken. Justice lifted her head and squinted her eyes against the still whipping wind. A groan dribbled out of her as she pulled herself up into a sitting position to assess the damage. She felt sore all over. Whatever muscles weren't bruised instead felt stiff from their prolonged awkward position on the hard ground. Her hands and elbows were heavily grazed and, judging from the hot pain, she assumed the same was true for the left side of her face. Worse, though, was her leg. The right one was okay. Okay meaning cut and bleeding, but otherwise functional. The left was broken. It had been trapped between the ground and the bike as she hit, snapping like a candy cane from the combined pressures. The bike was a mess of twisted metal, the front end in particular, as it had hit the ground head-on, probably saving her helmetless head from cracking. She freed herself from the tangle of bike, whimpering as she was forced to lift her broken leg, then drew her pant leg up with a hiss of pain. The break wasn't a compound fracture, but she could see the bone jutting against her skin from the inside. 
She bit down an urge to gag and took a deep breath, using her training to calm herself. She needed hospitalization, except, looking around, she had no idea where she was. She hadn't ridden with any direction or destination in mind, merely wanting to create distance between herself and her failure. Back the way she had come, she could just make out the outline of the city, mostly hidden by the blowing dust. They would come looking for her, given enough time, but how long would that take? Hours? Days? And how could they possibly find her? The wind almost instantly covered any tracks she made, and the planet was large and mostly empty. She would need to make her own way back, somehow. First, though, she needed shelter. Except there was no shelter. There was no vegetation this far out from the city and no outcrops to hide behind in the immediate vicinity, and the wind was worsening, growing into a dust storm. With a sigh, she reached over to the bike and unscrewed the mudguard. It wasn't much in the way of spades, but it would have to do. She began to dig. The hole she made was far from perfect. She could only just fit into it by pulling her legs up into a fetal position, an act that caused tears to rush to her eyes and a groan to pass through her gritted teeth as she jostled her broken limb. She then pulled her coat over herself and dragged the damaged bike on top to weigh it down. As she lay there, knees pressed up against herself, leg throbbing with pain, the weight of the bike pushing down uncomfortably on top of her, wind and dust howling overhead, she considered just how shitty a day she'd had. Justice woke disorientated and in pain. She hadn't meant to sleep, but buried in a hole there was little else to do. She took a second to take note of the situation. It was quiet and dark, both the day and the dust storm having moved on while she slept. With a grunt, she pushed the bike and coat off herself. Cold rushed in. She inhaled with a sudden chill and rushed to wrap her coat around herself. Now awake and alert, she thought about what to do next. There was only really one option, to try to get back to the city. She let out a heavy sigh and looked down at her broken leg. She was just going to have to do her best. Justice knew she should wrap the leg, but with no bandages on hand and the cold settling in for the night, she was hesitant to rid herself of any additional clothing. Finally, she decided that she would likely warm up on the walk back and that she could perhaps bear to lose her singlet top, which would still leave her with a shirt and coat. As quickly as she could, she stripped down, then reclothed minus the singlet. She used her teeth to tear through the hem and then tore it as best she could down the middle, doubling its length. She took a piece of her broken bike and pressed it against her leg as a splint. With gritted teeth, she wrapped the fabric around her leg and the piece of metal, starting at the bottom and moving upwards. A guttural moan pushed up her throat as the fabric wound around the point of skin barely holding back her broken bone. With a scream, she felt the bone move within her leg, forced back to something approximating its original position. She bit off the scream, her teeth clamped so tight they felt like they might shatter from the force. She pushed on, continuing the wrapping and tying it off. She allowed herself a few deep, calming breaths and then moved on to the next challenge, a crutch. There were no trees this far out from the city, so branches were out of the question. It would have to be the bike. She looked across at the mangled wreck and tried to pick out the most likely parts that would suit her purpose. Both the top tube and bottom tube of the frame were bent, but perhaps not too bent. The ends were twisted and pressed, but that might actually help with the situation, as she would have to try and separate them from the rest of the frame. She got to work. The frame was made of a metal alloy that made it extremely light and only semi-durable. This was why it had crumpled so easily from a basic fall. It would take most of the brunt of any accident, but wouldn't get up again to face another one. It also meant she could bend and twist the frame using just her hands. 
She started on the wheels, pushing them as straight as she could so she could get to the frame from behind. Then it was just a matter of bending the metal one way, then back the other, over and over again until it finally weakened enough to snap. This already hard job was made more difficult thanks to the heavy grazing on her hands. Nothing is ever easy, she thought. By the time she had both metal tubes free, she was covered in sweat and her hands were bleeding. The cold was doing little to cool her down and she considered ditching her coat. Then it dawned on her that even with her recent labour, she shouldn't be that hot. The temperature was likely single digits, meaning any heat she worked up should be whipped away in an instant. A fever then. It had to be. Best keep her coat on, she thought. She was probably colder than she thought she was, meaning if she stripped down she could freeze while still feeling like a human furnace. She pushed the end of the top tube into the bottom, bending until they were as straight as she could make them. After all her manipulations, the stick of metal was twisted and dented, making it look like an enormous toothpick that had been gnawed on by a giant. It needed one addition. She freed the bike seat from its bearing and reattached it to the top of her stick. It was wobbly, but with her weight on it, she assumed it would stay. Only one way to know for sure. She drew herself up onto her good leg, using the newly made crutch for balance. It hurt. A lot. Once up, she placed the crutch into her armpit. It wasn't perfect. The wobbliness of the seat was more annoying than she'd hoped for, and it was short, making her tilt to one side. But it would have to do. She left the rest of the bike where it was and began slowly to walk. She kept her eyes firmly fixed on the distant lights of the city as she made her way through the dark. Sweat continued to drip from her, but the cold of the night worked to cool the liquid, which added some relief. Every step was accompanied by a jolt of pain. She did her best to keep as much weight as possible off of her left leg, but it wasn't easy, and occasionally she would give it just an inch too much and scream as the pain spiked into white-hot territory. She tried not to think about the broken bone jostling within her skin, the shattered ends rubbing against each other with every move she made. She didn't have much luck. The image kept flashing into her mind. She carried onwards, trying to keep her thoughts on the fact that with every step she took, she was a little bit closer to her goal, rather than think about all the steps she still had to take. After what she guessed was about a kilometre, she stopped. She didn't sit, worried that if she did, she might not be able to get back up again. She got her breath back and tried to ease her legs as best she could. Her right one was already tired, overcompensating as it was for her left. Knowing it wasn't likely to feel better anytime soon, she carried on. An hour passed, and then another. The pain had reduced to a dull roar, as though it had been covered with a thick blanket that muffled the bulk of it. Justice knew that wasn't a good sign. She'd started feeling woozy, too, edging up to giddy as the fever raged through her. She thought she kept hearing noises out in the dark, but the saner part of her mind knew that should be impossible. While there were now animals on Mars, they were mostly livestock, and kept to the immediate outskirts of the city, not way out here in the flatlands. Eventually, she realised the noises were coming from within her own head. She was becoming delusional, but there was something recognisable about the sounds as well. It's Evermark, she thought with a moment of clarity, her favourite of the online games she'd loved as a kid. She hadn't played it for years, but the pings and pops signifying achievements within the game were almost as familiar as her own mother's voice. Then she heard a rising ding. It was the noise that sounded whenever a new section of land was discovered. She began to giggle. She supposed she was uncovering new land, although it wasn't lighting up like it did in the game. Darkness still pervaded her senses. Every ten steps or so, her mind would once more form the noise. Ding. Oddly, it helped. 
she found herself pushing forward, wanting to hear the noise and hit the next imagined checkmark. Then she fell. Her leg just went out from underneath her, no warning, no tremor, just her face hitting the hard dirt as her leg ignited into agony. She lay there for a second trying to figure out what had happened. Had her body just given up? All its resources gone? She started giggling again and found she couldn't stop. Saliva dribbled from her mouth to mix with the dust which puffed with every gasping exhale she let out. She started choking on the laughter. Or was it crying? Both, she decided. What's so funny, squirt? A voice asked. She turned her head to see a small cartoon bird that somewhat resembled a dodo flying above her. It was Bonebeak, the main character's sidekick in Evermark. That's not good, Justice thought. I said, what's so funny, squirt? Bonebeak asked again. Just that I'm going crazy and probably dying. Hmm, Bonebeak said in a confused voice. That doesn't sound funny at all. It's not, Justice told her. You should probably get up then, shouldn't you? Justice thought about this. Thought about if she could. She wasn't sure. She felt disconnected from her body, as if she was somehow floating just outside of it. The rational part of her mind screamed at her that this was bad. That if she was hallucinating and hearing things and no longer able to feel her body, then she was likely on the brink of death and all she needed to tip over it was to give up. Come on, squirt, time to go. Bonebeak said with a flap of her wings. Lot more land to discover yet. Can't be giving up now. And so, Justice stood. It wasn't easy and it wasn't quick, but she managed to get herself back upright once more and the crutch under her arm. She took a shaky step forward, then another. And after ten of those came... Ding! They found her just as the sun was beginning to rise. She'd made it all the way to the edge of the city. She was rushed to the closest hospital where she was treated for dehydration, fever, and, of course, a broken leg. Justice was not on the first leap out to Europa, but she was on the second. The higher-ups from the Institute, Serena Shaw amongst them, were impressed at the way she'd coped and survived after the accident, and at her test scores once she'd retaken the exam. It hadn't seemed as stressful the second time round. Years later, as she walked onto the giant space vessel that would take her and the rest of the crew out to Europa, her homemade crutch in hand kept as a memento, she thought about all the land she would discover, and all the lights she would turn on. Thanks for listening to this month's short tale. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, to finish this episode off, I've recorded some afterthoughts, which detail where the idea for this story came from and any challenges I faced while writing it. If that feels too self-indulgent for your tastes, fair enough. But if that sounds like your kind of thing, then listen on. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The number two sits heavy atop this story. It's about a person who's lived on two worlds, experienced two very distinct phases in their life, and is riding away from the second one on a vehicle named for its two wheels. And when she returns, she'll end up sitting a test for the second time. Similarly, the number two was also present in the writing process. Originally, this story appeared on my website. At the time, I was challenging myself to write a new story every two weeks, or more specifically, over two weekends. I was working full-time, not on writing, but in a lab located in a hospital on the western outskirts of Melbourne. I wasn't getting a lot of writing done during this period. I would occasionally sneak in some writing at work, but it was mostly writing blogs or jotting down ideas, the kind of writing I could drop in a moment when I needed to change the tab to something a little more work-appropriate. Months and months had gone by like this, with no new stories having reared their faces, and so I decided I needed to make better use of my weekends and carve out some writing time in them. But I wanted more than just the satisfaction of having written. I also wanted the satisfaction of finishing a story. I knew that writing time on the weekends would still be limited due to social obligations, and that even though it was possible, it was unlikely I'd get even a short, short story finished over the course of a weekend. But over two weekends? That seemed feasible. And so that's what I set out to do. I figured if I aimed for the story to be around 4,000 words, then I'd only need to write 1,000 words on each day of my two weekends. This version of the story is actually only about 3,300 words, but I think the initial version was a bit longer thanks to being, as is necessary for all first drafts, overwritten. As you're no doubt have guessed, I achieved my goal. Two weekends later, I had a story. I had the satisfaction of having written, and I had the satisfaction of having completed something. And I had that wonder that all stories bring in that I'd invented a world and a character and that character's favourite video game and all the other little details that seemed to grow from nowhere when writing all of which hadn't existed just two weekends prior. I'd also written a sci-fi story. Sci-fi light, probably, but still, it was one of my first in that genre. Which brings me to the second of the two writing elements that involve the number two, because I would say that there are two genres in this story, sci-fi and survival. I hadn't set out to write a survival story. I'm not even sure I'd set out to write a sci-fi story. What I had set out to do was to discovery write the whole thing, which is where you do no outlining beforehand, you just start writing and discover what the story will be. Mostly, I did this out of laziness, but also because it made it a bit more exciting for me. I had those set times each weekend to write this story, and I liked the idea that the whole thing would get built within that time period. The sci-fi stuff came out early, but it wasn't until her bike found a rock that I discovered it would also be a survival story. Mostly, I had Justice hit a rock and crash because I could feel the story demanded a note of action at that point. I'd done a good chunk of exposition, and we needed some excitement. But, of course, as soon as she crashed, I realised just how perilous having a broken leg in the middle of nowhere on a mostly uninhabited planet known for its dust storms that didn't even house foliage or any other kind of shelter would be. It worked. 
this character wanted to adventure, wanted to be challenged, but wasn't actually ready for either of them. So, great. I would give her what she wanted in the worst way possible, and through that experience, she would learn what it actually takes to do the thing she wanted to do. She would be made ready. Then I just had to write what happened next. What would my character do in this situation? Would she give up? No. Okay, so what materials did she have at her disposal? Not much, but enough that she could get herself moving again. Which direction would she head in? There was really only one to choose from. What happens when she hits rock bottom? A memory from her past could give her strength. It was a survival story and a sci-fi story and a story I wrote over two weekends. I'm glad to have written it, and I'm glad you've now listened to it. One final pairing for this story that can't seem to help featuring the number two. All right, those are all my thoughts. But if you have any that you'd like to share, please do. You can write to me at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter at MiddayPajamas. And while this podcast will always be free, if you'd like to throw a few dollars, euros, rands, pounds, francs, yen, or any other currency at me to allow me to keep writing and releasing short tales and hopefully put out a few bigger projects down the line as well, you can do so by visiting my Ko-Fi page, which you can find at ko-fi.com forward slash Damien Robb. Or you can find the link in the episode show notes. Until next time, this has been Short Tales, and I've been Damien Robb. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.